the front. If someone quickly, we could be a long sermon, could be a short sermon. Jazz, awesome, come on up. And excellent. It's it's really simple. It's really simple. We got two people. Excellent. Two women. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Um. Can you do ten push-ups? Can you do five push-ups? Awesome. Okay. So, Jazz, you want to come over this side because you're going to do one exercise, and I'll come back to you in a minute. So, um, what I need you to do. This is going to be a strength test. Okay. What you got to do is just stand to the side here. All right, Christy, you got to keep her honest here. When she when she quits, if she quits, let me know. Okay, hand out straight. Okay, and you just got to hold this here. Okay, elbow nice straight. Okay, yep, good, beautiful. <laughs> just stay there. We'll, we'll get back to you in a minute. No bending like this. No che- No doing this. We good? Fantastic. Okay, could you please show us five push-ups? <laughs> yeah, I. Actually, if you, if you do it here and this way, then the dress part's pointing that way. So you, there's two parts to this. One's five push-ups, and then you only have to do one push-up. Okay. That's pretty good, i got to say. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, that's good. Okay, now, that's right. now you only have to do one. Okay, now you only have to do one push-up. There's only one minor change. Get ready. All right. And then, yeah, get, get ready, get, get ready, okay, all right. Now, at this point, you've just got to decide, you only have to do one push-up, whether you want to use your left arm or your right arm. <laughs> now, you can do this. Because... <laughs> no, no, I, I think she just needs more encouragement, right? Like, if she had more encouragement, she could do this. Right, let's, let's encourage... Cause, what we're doing here, what we're doing here is a comparison between physical health and how we respond to it and emotional health. And here are some of the things we hear when we're struggling emotionally. You can do this if you really wanted to. You could do this. Have you ever heard that? Okay, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes we over-spiritualize things. It's just demons. If we cast out the demons, you'll be okay. So there's no way you're going to be able to do this. What, what, what's the problem here? Like, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Give her a clap. We'll get to you in a minute. How are you doing? It's a little bit sore. You know, out of the two exercises, she <laughs> she's not going to hurt nearly as much as you will tomorrow. So I really appreciate you doing this. What we have is, we'll get to you in a minute. We'll get to you in a minute. What we have over here is there are some things in life which you either have the strength to do or you don't. And emotionally, sometimes we get this big whack and you just just can't handle it. And it, it just hits you and you either got the strength or you don't. And that's often what happens to us emotionally with lots of different things. You get a big whack across the face, big slap, and emotionally you're just stuck. And on the other hand, over here, what is less than like 5 to 10 grams, this is looking exactly the same as when she began, but 
as it goes along, it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And the pain in the arm is getting worse and worse. And she's smiling, but inwardly, she's in a lot of pain. Would that be a fair? Would you like to stop? Okay. All right. Cool. All right. We'll stop. Okay. Thank you. Well done. <laughs> it's a f- <laughs> That's really tough. After about five minutes, your arm is sore. It's aching, and that's the emotional grind. You see, over here, when someone goes through something major, it's obvious to everyone. A friend of mine posted on Facebook recently. Trust. Her husband had just had an affair. Bang, everyone, you know, she made it public, but she's going through that. It's hard, it's heavy. She needs, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. But over here, there are marriages which are just drifting apart slowly over time, losing the love, losing the commitment, and the grind wears it down. And that is really hard because when you look at it, they're holding a 10-gram pen but the grind makes it harder and harder and harder. And our response to that, when we look at it, we go, well, that's not hard. Look, here, I can hold it easy. Well, you can because you've just picked it up, but they've been carrying the burden for a long time. You get someone over here, they lose their job, bang, big emotional stress and hassle. But over here, someone who's struggling to pay the bills every week, month in, month out, it wears them emotionally down. And it's that daily grind of stuff that from the outside, man, it looks easy. looks easy. And in Australia, we're good at this stuff. Australians are great. You're in a crisis. Australia's brilliant. When the Queensland floods came on, man, people from all over Australia put stuff in their boots, drove 3,000 kilometers just to drop it off because, you know, they're in trouble. But the grind stuff, we're not so good at that. The grind stuff, we actually struggle. The government's spending millions of dollars with the message, are you okay? Because we're not good with that. We're not good with that daily stuff. And emotionally, it it cripples us. There's a passage in Exodus that I want to focus on today and draw some, some broad principles about how we can handle the grind that emotionally wears us down. And it's in Exodus 18. There's a lot in this passage. I love this passage. Uh, But it also has something to say, well, I'm going to focus on the emotional stuff. I'm reading from the ESV, which is a little bit different from what you have on your screen, but the message is the same. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. 
Now obey my voice, I'll give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring them the cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. In other words, you're going to keep doing the same thing with getting the same outcome, but we're going to change a couple of things. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy, hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you, you'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Here's Moses. He's, he's the big guy. And from morning till evening, people are coming to him for him to be their judge, for him to teach them about the law of God. And I'm guessing the first day he does this, he gets home in the night and he's like, man, that was fantastic. It was awesome. We, we sorted out all kinds of disputes today. I reckon on day one, he felt a million bucks. But between when he began and when his father-in-law turns up, the burden has started to take its toll. And his father-in-law gives him some good advice. He asks him, what, what are you doing? What are you trying to accomplish here? His father-in-law could see that, that he's starting to wear out. His father-in-law had the ability to, to foresee, you know what, you keep this up and you're in a world of pain. It's not hard. What he started out with doing is not hard. It's like the pen. It's not difficult. But it's that grind every day, morning till evening, and it's going to kill him. Not just him, but all the people. So Jethro begins with a question. What, what are you trying to do here? In Australian terms, are you okay? It's a good question. It's a good question we can ask ourselves. In Psalm 42.5, the psalmist asks, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? That's a great question. It's a good question that we can ask ourselves. It's a question we should be asking ourselves. How am I feeling? How, how am I doing here? Am I doing okay? But we also need Jethro's in our life. We need people who are looking at us, looking at what we're doing, and they're asking the question, are you okay? I think government's spending some really good money on this. What we don't want, of course, is to build a culture where we go, are you okay? You know, we want to we ask the question and actually, look, are, are, they, are they downcast? Do they have sadness? Are they actually struggling? We want to actually look for the answer. I started playing a joke with people. Um, if they asked first, how are you? I'd say, good, how are you? And then I'd, I'd throw it back at them. So I'd go, how are you? They'd say, good, how are you? I'd say, good, how are you? And usually they go, good. I mean, you know, we... We don't listen to the answers you know, often when we meet with people. But we need to ask the question, are you okay? 
We want people in our lives. One of the, the core ways we do this as a church is through small groups. Yeah, I'm all for small groups. Not, it's not an agenda I'm pushing. <laughs> but small groups is that place where you're going to get the question, are you okay? That, that's where it takes place. You know, my friend who, who put on the uh, Facebook, you know, trust. Yeah, most people don't respond that way when their husband has an affair. For most people, it's deeply personal and you don't stand up in front of church and go, oh, my, you know, my husband had an affair. That's usually not how we handle big emotional stuff. But in a small group with people that you trust and that you know they've got their back and you love them and they love you, that is a much safer place where that can happen. But the grind stuff, we need people asking that question as well. How are you going with that? We often avoid sad people. We want to be happy all the time. And, and who doesn't? But there's times when we want to be asking each other the deep questions, where we want to be Jethro to each other. And at the same time, you know, there's three key players in this whole passage. There's Moses, who is honest and responds, and he listens to the advice and changes the way he's behaving. So sometimes we're Moses, sometimes we're Jethro. But there's also everybody else, and sometimes that's us when we're just standing on the sideline watching someone else go through stuff. That brings me to my second point. What's your motivation? Because you see, Moses gets two kinds of motivation from Jethro. In verse um, 18, you and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out for the things too heavy for you, Moses. You know, that's, that's the stick. Hey, Moses, here's a stick motivation for you, buddy. You're going to wear out, but so is everybody else. We live in community. We're connected. Your emotional health is not just about you. It's about the community that you live in. You go down, other people go down. But he also gives the carrot. Hey, if you do this, and I love this promise of Moses, if you do this, God will direct you, you'll be able to endure, and all these people also will go to their place in peace. You will endure, you will keep up this, but the people are going to go home in peace. There's a peace that comes when you're emotionally healthy. There is a peace in your community when you're emotionally healthy. There's a peace in your home when the parents are emotionally healthy. There is a benefit that comes from you being emotionally strong. The beautiful thing I love here about Jethro is he says, God will direct you. God will direct you. You know what happens with emotional pain? We isolate. We isolate from community. We isolate from God. And it's horrible. But the promise of Jethro is that you will hear God, God will direct you, you'll be more sensitive to the Spirit because you're going to be a part of the community. Everyone benefits when we're emotionally healthy. 
There is nothing selfish about you looking after your emotional health. Nothing selfish at all. We live in a society that wants us to go faster and faster. Beck's going to talk more about that next week, and that's going to be awesome. You want to hear what she has to say about that. But we live in a society where we isolate. Our culture, Western culture, is individual, individualistic. There you go, got it out. It says, you know, it's up to you. It's up to you. You've got to do it all. You've got to be strong. Got to hold it all together. And it's, it isolates. The carrot and the stick motivation. It's not just about us. You have a moral obligation to the people in your life to be emotionally healthy. If you're emotionally healthy, it impacts them. I mean, just think about it. You can belong to a family where there is domestic violence and people are being you know, beaten up and abused. Is that a good environment to raise a kid? No. So the parents have a moral obligation to their children to be healthy. So what do you have to do as parents and as people in the workplace, in the communities, what do you have to do to step back from all the stuff that's happening, that's dragging you down, that's grinding you down, and say, you know what, the long-term benefit here is I will endure, God will direct me, and the people will go home in peace. There will be peace when we do that. So we need to choose our motivation. If you don't deal with stuff early, that carrot that Jethro gives Moses, here are some good reasons, mate, to sort yourself out, eventually becomes a stick. When you emotionally get ground down, it becomes a stick. And problems start to appear. You start to burn out. People start to complain. becomes a stick. We often wait for the stick. Most couples who are struggling with marriage difficulties leave it 18 months too late. Deal with stuff before it becomes a problem. People go home in peace. The last one is escalate the help. You know, Jethro has this great advice to Moses, break it up, mate. Thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. This whole system is where we get both our legal system and multiple courts. It's also where we get the idea of the triage nurse, where some people can handle the little stuff, but the big stuff, we pass it up. You know, you get a scraped knee, deal with that at home. You don't have to go to the hospital if you scrape your knee. That's okay. Fix that at home. But you break a leg, you probably need to go to the doctors. In fact, I'd encourage it. <laughs> if you have a heart attack, definitely, definitely go to the hospital. But there is a, there's a continuum physically of stuff that we deal with. But emotionally, it's the same. There are some things like a scraped knee. Carolyn's away at the moment with Cassandra. They're in India for their uncle's 90th birthday party. And then she's heading across to where we used to do ministry. She's doing ministry there. And, you know, that's a whirlwind trip that she's doing. I'm, I'm home alone with the kids. 
And that, that brings with it an emotional increase, both for me and the kids. That, you know, that's temporary. I, I think I'm okay, doing okay, surviving. They're being fed. They're clothed. Um, I don't think anything else is expected. Maybe there's more, but Carolyn will fill me in when she gets back. <laughs> but that's, that's kind of like scrape knee stuff. It's temporary. It's going to be okay. Not major hassle. In terms of the broken leg stuff, for the past month when people have been asking me, you know, how are you? I've been saying, I have a 16-year-old daughter. And that's how, that's how they respond. They kind of laugh. <laughs> and then nothing. They don't say anything. Now, the first time I sat it, it was just as a joke. I've got a 16-year-old daughter. <laughs> Nothing. Silence. I, I started asking myself, what is it about having a 16-year-old daughter that explains everything? <laughs> like, for the past month, I've been, I've been saying, to, I have a 16-year-old daughter. Nothing. No one has gone, oh, what, what, what's happening? They just assume so much. And they're right. I did ask for permission before I shared that. But here's the thing. If you're not getting better emotionally, escalate the help. Don't stay in it. Don't stay in it. There's a point where, because again, pain is isolating. You're going to feel isolated. If you can, reach out to the people around you. Don't shun when people try to reach in and ask, are you okay Allow the community to be able to help you and escalate it. If you're going through stuff, share it with your small group. Now, just with that, a smaller side to our small group leaders. We've got everything from professional counsellors who lead some of our groups to just ordinary people leading our groups. Depending on the group depends on the advice you're going to get. As a general rule to the small group leaders, I want to say this. Escalate. You don't have, you're not on this alone. Throw it up to other people. You're like the triage nurse. You don't have to solve the problem. But you, you've, hey, you're in trouble. Okay, now you need to go see this person or that person. We, you don't have to be the person that solves it for people. But when someone does share something with you, escalate it. That was the thing that Moses wasn't doing. That was the big advice that Jethro was giving him. You know what? There's an escalation of need and concern and deal with that. We need to escalate things up. If you aren't getting the help, go higher. Find some people. Say to people, you know, do you know any Christian counsellors? Google Christian counselling. I had a friend that I worked with he was in a relationship, it wasn't working well. He went to a counsellor once and went, oh, he didn't get very far. I'm like, man, you know, the first one is all about what's the problem you know, before you deal with stuff. And he, he didn't want other people to help him. It was just an excuse. That relationship broke down because they stopped fighting for it. They stopped escalating until they got the help that they need so escalate the help if you're a Jethro stay within your ability of being able to help people 
You know, it's okay to go, this is too much. That's the, that's the advice that Jethro go, gave to Moses, and Moses trained people in how to do that. So the broad stuff, ask the question, ask the question of me, the M-E. What's your motivation? Escalate. One of the things that I want to finish with this story, years ago, uh, my dad was depressed. He was um, suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder, had for a long time. Stuff came up to the surface and he was an emotional wreck. So bad that my mum, in despair, looking at my niece who was going to church and seeing what was helping for her, decided that she would go to church. She, she just couldn't cope anymore. So she starts attending church, starts attending a small group, and my dad sees the change in her, and so he, he goes along to the small group as well. And when he gets into the small group, there's about a dozen people, and of the 12, 10 of them were on antidepressants. That's, that's, a, lot of, that's a lot of need in one little small group. But my dad asked the question, um, what on earth is the difference between me and you. You guys have Jesus and I don't. And you're depressed and I'm depressed. I'm on meds, you're on meds. And they shared with him openly and honestly. You know, one of the things Jesus says is if you're heavy burdened, if you're, if you're worn down, come to me and I'll give you rest. Jesus says, come to me and I will teach you how to do it how to persevere through it, how to walk through that. And what my dad discovered, the difference between the two, is there's, well, there are my cheek notes. There's a difference that Christians have. We have the Holy Spirit who comforts us and walks with us to begin with. Not only that, but we follow a God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is community, who is always calling us to community. Here is my dad um, kind of stuck alone in his pain and the more he's suffering with pain, the more he's isolating people. And when through God's grace he reached out to a Christian community, he discovered that one of the things that Jesus teaches us is don't go it alone. That we do this together. That we sit in the pit. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death together. Jesus in the midst of that. And what he found was that that group had a hope that together they could endure that he didn't have. He was looking down a really dark place. He was headed down that road. And yet here he saw people with the same problems, the same issues, same medication, but they had a hope because they had each other. They had community. That was the thing that Moses wasn't doing. He sat there alone in the midst of a crowd. Feeling alone has nothing to do with how many people you have around you. He was alone in the midst of a crowd. That was my dad. Surrounded by people, he was alone. But he came to faith through that small group. Not because they were struggling any less than him, but because they had a source that they were connected to. Jesus had taught them how to love one another. 
how to encourage one another, how to sit in the pain with each other. Now, as we finish today, for some of you, you're struggling. You are struggling. Today is not a good day. You're a two out of ten. The choice you have is to keep that to yourself or to begin to share with people. Again, you may not want to come bursting out the front and go, I'm struggling. But you can speak to some people. You can say to someone today, we need to talk. And if someone says that to you, make the time to talk with them. For some of you, you're going, I don't have Jesus. And I don't have that hope. And I'd like that. And we're going to give you time to respond. To let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit come in you, encourage you, comfort you, and help you. Help you be connected. My encouragement is, whether you're going through a big burden or you're going through the grind, don't do it alone. Let's pray. If you're at a point where you want to follow Jesus, where you want to say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord. I I turn away from trying to do things on my own and do things my way. Where I accept what you've done on the cross. Where I want to enter into your kingdom and enter into your community through baptism. Just to ask you to, to put your hand up now while everyone's eyes are closed while we pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks that your spirit is within us. That you sit with us in the darkness, in the pit. And you do that through your spirit and through your people. That we don't have to be alone. That we can walk through it together. And as we do that, we'll endure. We'll hear you. You'll direct us. And everyone gets to go home in peace. Father, thank you for your promise, the promise of your word. I pray that everyone here would understand and feel and experience how deep and wide your love is for us. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us how to encourage one another, how to spur one another on, how to bear with each other, how to carry each other's loads. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.